You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Hello, welcome to Informed. Uh, Simeon here, and today I'm talking to Claire Williams, who's part of our wider family of churches, part of a relational mission church in Kent. Hello, Claire. Hello, nice to be with you. Thank you for giving us a little slice of your afternoon. Um, Today we're talking about something you're particularly interested in, which is um, our experience and how our experience uh, helps us to engage with God and understand God. Is that a good summary? Yes, I think it is. Yeah, it's our kind of our part of the equation when it comes to how we know God. There's God's part where he reveals himself and saves us and, and all of that stuff. And then there's another bit, I think for us charismatics where we think about our testimony our lives as testimony the stuff that we do um and how our experience how we talk about our experience Mm. how we structure and shape our experience and we might we might be familiar with sort of what you might broadly term charismatic experiences of oh yeah someone had that prophetic word and i could clearly tell it was a revelation from god and that that shaped my understanding of how God was working in my life. But it, yeah. it's it's broader than that, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's to do with um, every aspect of our lives, every single part of it. Um, so some of the things I've read about charismatic worship implies that everything we, everything that's important to us happens on a Sunday, mm. happens during the sung worship, and those moments, like you say, when someone prophesies, and I would, that's that's totally right it's really important but I guess what I want to think about is you know what about the rest of it what about that commute in the morning what about sitting in a lecture what about I don't know doing the food shopping what bits of those experiences can be shaped to form us as Christians because I think they can be and I think that church tradition has something interesting to say about how that can form us as Christians so basically doing something that means something Mm. So could you give us an example? Yeah, so um, a really good example is, um, so for example, the Benedictines would say that they spend their time praying and worshipping God, but they also spend their time in acts of service that are also acts of worship. So they will, for example, grow all their own food. And that for them is worship. It's, It's time spent with God. In fact, you're not allowed to talk in a Benedictine community unless, you know, you've got a jolly good reason to, because you might be interrupting someone talking to God, even while they're hoeing the weeds or whatever in the vegetable plot. And that kind of transformation of our entire life so that everything is orientated towards God I think is really interesting and really useful. So little acts, little, like, for example, when you take a shower, instead of singing along to the radio, you could let it remind you of your baptism. Mm. You know, no reason why you can't make that a moment where God speaks to you afresh about our lives in the baptized body of Christ. Now that's pretty intense. And you might say, when I have a shower in the morning, I can barely think straight, that's fine. I I totally feel you. I'm just saying that there are those moments where instead of letting them pass us by or instead of letting them form us for things that aren't towards God, maybe we can start trying to redeem our daily actions. Mm. Um, So, you know, when we pray before we eat our dinner, don't just think of it as meaningless. Think of it as meaningful. We are actively and consciously saying, I'm not going to let this food pass my lips. 
until I've acknowledged that God is primary and the provider and should be thanked. Yeah. And, and the things that we, the things that we do in our daily lives, they, they form us, don't they? Yeah, I think so. So we, we thinking about the way they form us for good and for bad. So, you know, if, if we take our, take our motivation for life down a notch from what we think about down to something slightly more primal and think about the motivation for what we do being a kind of set of unconscious or subconscious or pre-conscious desires, um, a kind of sense of what it means to have a good life, a vision, if you like, one that you probably haven't written down in a vision statement because it's your life. And everyone's vision is slightly different. You know, there's that classic program, The Good Life, isn't it? And it speaks to something that everyone's got a sense of. You know, this time next year, I'll be a millionaire. That idea that there's a good life and I can do things to make it happen. I don't think all of us sit there very clearly and, and work that out. And yet a lot of what we choose to do shapes us towards that idea. So, you know, when you think about brushing your teeth, you may just do it very instinctively, but actually what you're doing is a practice that says, I value my health and I value my appearance and I value the things that having good health and good appearance has, it forms you. Mm. And it speaks to something that you probably haven't thought of. And that is kind of what I'm talking about, I think. Mm. And, and theologically, that's um, part of how God's made us and, yeah. and how he interacts with us. Yeah, so the spirit is with us, isn't he? He is present in our lives, he's real and active. And there's a human element to that, to that where the spirit is in our lives, our mm. daily lives. And so when the spirit is with us, there's something about that interaction with what we do and our, our daily experience that can be, to use a nice long phrase, pneumatological. The spirit is in it in every moment, not just the moments that we've worked out are holy. You know, mm. let's let's think about when he's with us and we haven't given it due thought. Yeah. 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 And um, to to know God is is a relational thing, isn't it? And it's not just a case of um, yeah, thinking about the Bible. It's not just a case that God's left us a set of instructions and said, "There you go, get on with it." Yeah. Um, how, yeah. when, we, when we pick up the Bible, um, how might we expect to encounter God? So, I mean, it's really important to remember that the Bible is God's authoritative word to us, talking about his revelation in his son. And there are times when it totally, I mean, it, it, it orientates everything. It speaks to so much of our lives, but it can do more than just provide us with an instruction manual. In fact, it, as an instruction manual, it kind of is hard to use. But if we can think of it as more formative than that, if we can engage with it on a number of different levels, I think it can add to what we do. So, you know, we can think about um, practices that the church has used over the centuries, harking back to my Benedictine nuns, they would practice Lectio Divina, which is a very particular way of kind of engaging with scripture that's more meditative, more thoughtful, less I don't want to say less analytical because I don't think they take their brains out of the equation, but they mm. do stop trying to force it and they sit with it and they allow it to speak to them and not necessarily answer questions. 
So they would say, maybe they're reading that psalm about bashing babies' heads against the rock. They would sit there and say, this is a hard psalm. Mm. And I don't understand it. Now, I could spend the next three decades in, like, Old Testament theology books trying to work out what the commentaries say. Or I could try and say, God speak to me. And we believe God speaks to us, so we're on to a winner there. God speak to me about this text. Help me to sit with this uncertainty. Help me to sit with the fact that the kingdom is here, but it's not it's not fully realized yet. And until the kingdom is fully realized, I will, as a flawed human being, encounter bits of scripture that I can't understand. Now, that doesn't mean scripture doesn't make sense. It does. But I don't think we always get that sense. Mm. And so when we sit with those hard things, instead of trying to force it, and try, instead of trying to rationalize it, we just sit with it and we say, God, you're real and present and active in my life. Speak to me through this scripture. Help me to understand what I can understand and help me live with the questions. I think that way is a way of peace. Mm. Mm. And a way and so of less fear. You can be really fearful trying to deal with those hard things in scripture. And maybe we should take the fear away. Mm. And fear goes when we trust God rather than trust our own ability to figure everything out yeah or trust others to explain it to us yeah 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 and i mean that might not be something that other people deal with so much as a theologian it's really tempting to just reach for another book that's going to give you the answer Mm. and if not that book maybe the next one will and actually god is the ultimate answer yeah yeah brilliant well on that note uh for a much longer chat uh with claire listen to the full-length podcast but for now it's bye from me and bye from you